with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, the unbelievable, the mystical, the magical, macabre, New England's own Van Helsing. With me all the way across the pond from the land of the Red Dragon uh, is the great, great Steve Parsons. Whatever. <laughs> So, Steve, uh, you've been watching this uh, Houdini and Doyle? Uh, it's one of those rare occasions when we finished the series before you did. I know. Yeah, so, yes, sad. unmissable television. Um, and uh, you're, I think you're on number three. We Seven are on number three. I watched Seven three last go. night. It was I, it's excellent. I think uh, you're going to enjoy them. For those who don't know, for those who don't know, for those who don't know, it is a Fox and, uh, B- and British television uh, production, uh, a joint venture, and uh, it takes us back to the time uh, when Houdini and Doyle walked the earth and uh, solve paranormal cases. So there you go. Except in reality, of course, they didn't. It's entirely based upon characters and uh, fictional cases. But uh, I mean, it's 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 like, it's kind of like Edwardian X Files, exactly. And you know what? I was thinking about it. By the way, I guess Billy Roberts uh, was unable to uh, join us tonight because. Uh, Go on, say could... it. You're dying to. Uh, anyways, so well, I'll I was say thinking... it then. Our psychic medium guest had to cancel right at the last minute due to un- unforeseen circumstances. Yeah, really, yeah. truly. <laughs> Uh-huh. And anyways... Uh, you could make it up, could you? For the third time. Uh, for anyways, I said, you know what? That's such a great series, and, and Steve and I both love it. But, you know, how true are the characters? So let's find out somebody who really knows Houdini more than anyone that I know. And I said, who could I get? And I said, my friend, Rich Lavenwood. And so I calls him up, and of course, he's not in the U.S. He's on vacation. So I browbeated their assistance until they gave me the number, and then I've reached him and tracked him down. And he's in your country, Steve. Uh, he is. Well, he isn't. He's in England. Of course, I'm in Wales, but I'm English, so he's in my home country. But he's on the opposite side of the UK to me. He's on the East Coast in the little seaside town of Whitby, famous for its Gothic roots and uh, the location for the coming ashore of your arch-nemesis, Count Dracula. Oh, there you go. So anyways, without further ado, let me introduce to you uh, Rich Lehman. We've got, we've got lightning and thunder uh, sound effects now. Oh, sorry. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, Rich, how are you? Good. So, uh, you know what? You've got to tighten up your security with your assistants, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to have a chat with her when we get home. have to have a chat with them, huh? <laughs> <laughs> But don't don't blame him, you know. I mean, I just worked the old Van Helsing charm on him, and that's that's what did it. I can understand. I, 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 I can teach them to resist mere mortals, but uh, I'm not sure I can get them to resist you. 
<laughs> so anyways, thank you so much for joining us at the very last minute after traveling for 24 hours. Uh, and Houdini, I know I talked to you about this and you said you not have, have not seen the show, but what's your thoughts on the show of, of, of uh, crime fighters or, or investigators, Houdini and Doyle working together, but, you know, totally friends, but, but they fight all the time. Uh, there, there is a, an element of truth to that. Uh, they uh, were very best of friends at times, and they were enemies at times. Uh, they were different times, and, and uh, they went through. Uh, Harry, as we all know, lost his mother in uh, uh, a sudden death, unexpected. And that triggered his personal need to uh, get a medium and talk to Mama, because he was a big Mama's boy, and so he was trying to do this. Now, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle lost a son in 1914 in the war, and he was doing his own individual search, wanting to communicate with his son. And uh, the two of them had the common need, and they... They were friends when they were sharing the need. And, of course, they ran into some fraudulent mediums, and uh, they uh, searched here and there looking for better ones. And if uh, Arthur Conan Doyle would find uh, one that he thought was better, he would refer Harry to them. Uh, they were friends for, I think, like four or five years, perhaps. And what really broke them apart was that... Um, Harry had found that exposing fraudulent mediums was good business. It sold tickets. <laughs> and so he was uh, exposing a medium a week and his, his uh, stage show. And uh, Arthur Conan Doyle got upset that you're not really trying to contact your mother. Uh, you're trying to make a buck off this. And but, so but, that it, was the thrust that, that uh, drove them apart. In all fairness to Houdini, uh, the mediums know what he was going to do. He was going to attempt to, uh, you know, uh, what's the word, debunk them. Uh, yes. They, they knew that, right? Well, they didn't know that they were being interviewed by Houdini. He would go into costume at times, called himself Mr. White, and, mm -hmm. and was in costume. Or he had others. He had henchmen on the road who would go in. They would uh, search for a fraudulent medium. They were not searching for a real medium. They were searching oh, really? for... Oh, really? His henchmen were searching for a fraudulent medium for the show. Because next week they're selling tickets where they're going to expose this guy. So Harry was privately looking for a real medium in order to contact his mother. But more aggressively, he was looking for fraudulent mediums for his show because it sold it sold tickets his show was one-third magic one-third escapes and one-third uh exposing mediums at this time mm -hmm. and uh it was very very popular so uh he and arthur conan doyle were good friends when they were both seeking a true medium could contact their, their dead relatives and uh arthur got fed up with him arthur's wife was also a medium which harry uh, was not impressed with. And um, so they were together for a while in the struggle, and then they grew apart because of the differences. Mm -hmm. um, 
the important thing that uh, I think people need to know about Harry is everybody knows about him exposing fraudulent mediums. What many people don't know is that two months before his death, he said in a, a speech up at the uh, University of Utica, Utica, New York, that he believes that it is possible to communicate with the dead. So two months before he died, he believes it is possible. Now, you get into the debate of did he communicate with Fess or not, uh, you know, that's, that's all well documented. Right. But at the time he was there, he still believed it was possible, and he wanted to communicate with his mother. Mm-hmm. So that's like, that's what the right hand is doing. Now the left hand is looking for a fraudulent medium who can exploit to sell tickets. <laughs> Not so very different than James Randi in many ways. Why, is okay. Randi a believer? Uh, <clears throat> no, in, in terms of seeking out the fraudulent in order to expose them. So he's, he's very carefully, or he's been accused of very carefully uh, laying down the the um, success beforehand. You know, rather than, uh, I mean, this million-dollar prize, he is, uh, which he's been offering for, for years now. In fact, he's just re- recently withdrawn it. Those that have gone forward for it have actually said that it's, it's an impossibility to, to uh, take the challenge because Randy or his gang, his team, will interfere and change the conditions so so much and so many times throughout the the investigation that the whole thing becomes farcically difficult and impossible and, and, and like Houdini he, he, he is looking for the failure the fraud that's right because that's where he gets his publicity that's right and, and Randy also famously had his own television show where he would invite mediums on and allow them uh, some airtime and then so he, he would... stole that from Houdini then uh, yeah, and then he would publicly expose them. Um, of course, it was all preset beforehand. The mediums uh, were, were very, very carefully selected. Um, so, Rich, I, you know... Uh, go ahead, Steve. No, I, I was just swallowing. So, so Rich, I mean, you you, fo- you followed Houdini for, for quite a while and studied him. And, and you know, his death, of course, is, is mired in mystery, as is, is many famous peoples are, believe it or not, there's always conspiracy theories. And one of the theories, of course, is is that the spiritualists actually killed him. Do you think there's any credence in that at all? If Well, there are documents that one can suggest that's true. Uh, he was given a particular medication by people. People testify that he was given a particular medication. They saw this nurse giving this particular medication. There is no medical record of him ever having such a prescription, and oh, by the way, we can't find any evidence that this nurse ever existed. Oh, wow. So uh, if you're into conspiracy theories, there you go, run that one, and, and obviously uh, takes you to the right place. On the other hand, if you have no evidence that the medicine existed and no evidence that the woman gave the medicine, maybe there's nothing there. So uh, I don't know. Uh, I think that the important things to to uh, remember with Houdini is that uh, he the stated cause of death was appendicitis, and uh, he was not killed by the blow to the stomach up in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, by most 
medicine today would say that a blow to the, the stomach is not going to cause an appendix to rupture. However, appendicitis will cause appendix to rupture. Oh, yeah. And he had appendicitis. Right. So the, the blow to I had the I had a appendicitis. Might have been accidental uh, in the whole thing. Yeah. He probably had appendicitis. It burst because he didn't go have it t- taken care of appropriately, and we had no uh, medicines once the appendix burst to treat it in the in that day. We didn't have the antibiotics that were required. Mm-hmm. So that's probably what happened. However, there's also the the hassle. Um, the gentleman who hit uh, Harry. Uh, was a curious guy with a, a obscure background that he you can question who he was and where he was. He was also paid by Bess later on to testify, uh, and Bess was trying to collect on insurance. And so some of the conspiracy theory people say that obviously Bess was involved in killing him because she paid uh, this gentleman to testify. Uh, to the insurance companies as to the, well, and, and, and again uh, you take the pieces and you can put them together any way you like uh, if best was simply searching for the truth and this guy was involved in the story uh, why did she pay him well he was you know a college student or whatever uh, lots and lots of talk very few facts to deal with so you can take the uh, the gossip and and uh, weave it together where you like. My personal belief is that he was, Harry was an amazingly strong uh, person, uh, one who would not be willing to give in to the weakness of having this pain over here because he's, he can outdo that. Mm-hmm. And he probably ignored his appendicitis far too long and died as a direct result of that. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting you mentioned that, uh, Rich, because the last episode of uh, Houdini and Doyle is that Houdini ends up in the hospital, and he uh, Doyle, who's a doctor that in this series, uh, looks at his X-rays and he has many broken bones. And uh, Doyle says that well, you must be living in pain all the time, and he says yes. So I mean, that, that would fit into character where he would be that tough guy who would endure the pain and not complain about it. Precisely. The one that I think of, particularly in doing the Chinese water torture cell where he's hung upside down by his feet, uh, he performed that while he had a broken ankle. Oh. Had to have been outrageously painful. But the show must go on. Right. And and, uh, so when he came to Detroit, he was punched in Montreal, but he was not well in Montreal. When he came to Detroit, they tried to get him to go to the doctor, and he refused because the show must go on. And uh, so he did the show, obviously in great pain, uh, and then after the show he went to the Grace Hospital where he eventually died. But it was a week after that that he died, more or less a week. I don't remember the exact dates. But, uh, well, we know it was uh, on the, Halloween. <laughs> that was when he ended. I'm not sure when he went in. I think he yeah. went in around the 23rd, 24th, something like that. Yeah. Because an interesting thing, now back in those days we didn't have airline travel. Uh, such as I didn't have this time. But uh, <laughs> the uh, friends in New York got the call that Harry was in the hospital and was gravely ill. And one of them was quoted as saying, uh, there's no hurry to get there. He's too good a showman to die before Halloween. 
That's yeah. a good so uh, I think there may have been uh, perhaps a bit of truth there. He was the ultimate showman. Uh, he invented the term escape artist. Before that, there had been escapists. There had been self-liberators. There had not been escape artists. He perfected the, um, the... Sorry, Rich. The, yes. the, the, the comment that one of the friends made in New York about Harry being a great showman and not dying before Halloween does lead another. It sounds conspiratorial, but it, it actually isn't, uh, because quite often we, we learn from him history that the announcement of a death is staged and managed to enhance or, or uh, either the, the person or to obtain some benefit from the situation. So it may be that uh, Harry's death was announced on the 31st as opposed to that being his actual uh, day of, dis of demise. Oh, interesting. It's supposed to be one thirty in the afternoon on the 31st, as I recall. I don't have my notes in front of me, yeah. but I believe it's pretty... Um, that's I mean, we know we know certainly with other um, famous people in history, uh, King George, um, our, our British monarch, and others, the date of the death has, or the death, the actual death has been held um, or withheld to, uh, to you know, for some either political reason or state reason or just simply to enhance the personality of the of the uh, individual. That's an awesome suggestion. I've never heard that, Stephen. That's one that I can investigate. I have the death certificate, or a copy of the death certificate. I'll look and see exactly who signed this and, and mm -hmm. see uh, how clean That'd their hands Yeah, it'd be interesting. But, but we, we know also in life that there have been other reported deaths that people have hung on to like oh, yeah, absolutely. For a certain occasion, you know, their birthday or their anniversary or a special holiday. Uh, that's, you know, so it's not unbelievable oh, no, that no. he would hang on to uh, Halloween as he promised because he was a man of his word. I, I'm comfortable with that hypothesis, but... Um... No, I'm just, I'm just, just throwing something into the mix that you know, it is, um, you know, both, are, both are on well-known situations. You know, people hang on, as Ron says, but de the actual date of death has also been manipulated uh, in some cases. Um, so, it, it, it's part of the mystery and intrigue, isn't it? We don't know. We think we know these people because they're famous, and we think, you know, we know them. Um, uh, we call them by their first names, which is bizarre as well. You know, um, we, we seem to adopt or throw away the conventions and, and protocols um, where we would call a complete stranger Mr. Houdini or uh, Mr. Van Helsing. And because they become famous, we seem to assume that we're their friends and we can call them by their first names. So we think we know people, but in actual fact, as we're discovering... It has history, and, and indeed, there's some legal cases here in the UK have shown you don't know people as well as we believe that we know them. Um, Harry Houdini would very much want you to know him as he would want you to know him. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's true. So, anyways, Rich, for somebody who can't talk ten minutes on the subject, you've done very well. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Ron. Uh, but, you, but you are at uh, a friend's house, and would you introduce this gentleman? For me? Because I, I really I like be glad. I don't know much about him, and, and he's an intriguing person uh, from what I've heard. So would you do that for me, please? I'd be glad to. I'm sitting here with Ronnie Shacknayi. Uh Ronnie is a fascinating character who uh, originated in Israel and 
was involved in the 67 war and came to England and uh, has been here ever since. He's uh, the founder of the Israeli Magic Society. He's the creator of the Doomsday uh, Convention in, uh, in Whidbey. And uh, he's uh, a bizarre magician. He's a, a reader. He's a reader in many different levels. He does palms. He does tarot. He does uh, billets. He does whatever you want. He's an intuitive reader. And uh, I've always been studying at the foot of Ronnie since I met him uh, uh, many years ago. I used to have him come over and spend the month of November with me in the States. His health is uh, failing now, so he can't come visit me, so I come visit him. And uh, we're sitting in his living room now, remembering the good old days when we were both a lot younger and a lot stronger. (laughs) Ronnie? Ronnie? Say hello to Ron Ron Poland. Hello, Ron. Hello, Ron. Good name. I love it. Hello, Steve. Hi, Ron. Good evening. Hi. And, uh, I hope it's far sunnier your side of the country than it is over here in damp West Wales. Well, it's not. It's not bad. It's a bit overcast, but it's not bad. Ah, well, we're up to our necks in it here. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you should you should change your name of the country, perhaps. You know, maybe that'll help. It would. The same Wales is rains. <laughs> Maybe change the name, call it something like No Rain Country. Which probably will help. There you go, the the power Uh, of the suggestion. I I blame the other wrong because it all comes from his side of the pond anyway. Uh, It keeps coming over here. So uh, it's his fault. I'm I blame the government for everything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, now now there are wise words. (laughs) Yes. So, so Roddy, how did you get involved in Bizarre Magic? Oh, my God. You're now taking me to, to years, years and years ago. I was, I started as a magician, you know, like doing shows as a magician, if you like, in one word, right? Then uh, I met people who were interested in bizarre magic, and I went and saw them all, you know what I mean? And uh, found out, found, I found out that bizarre magic has more of magic than any other branch of magic in magic, if you know what I'm saying. And uh, I fell in love with it, and I started then writing my own stories, my own uh, props, making my own props, and so on and so forth. And uh, yes, I enjoyed it very much. Uh, I don't do anything, of course, now, a few good years now, but uh, it's all in the head. And so, you have a I mean, couple of I'm books waiting for your too. next question. <laughs> you, have, you have a couple of books that you wrote too, right? Yes, I wrote a book called Mystic. You know, and I write quite a lot to um, the Psychic Entertainers Association, which is uh, in America. Mm-hmm. You know, it is a society that is uh, very strict on who is getting in and getting, getting there to become a member. And uh, it takes about nine months before they consider you even. You know, nine months, you send an application, it takes nine months before they consider you. Uh, so I write in their magazine very often, you know what I mean? So you can make a book out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, but uh, yeah, the book Mystic is quite an interesting book. It talks a lot about uh, bizarre magic. It talks about mentalism. It talks about 
how to create a show, and he talks about reading. You know. So, so, so well, you, yeah, I'm quite proud of it. You, you, After you so many been, years of work, you know. You've Sorry? been involved. You've been involved with this for so long, and you know, you know the mentalism. You you know the bizarre magic. Do you believe in the, in the afterlife? Do you believe in para, in the paranormal, or, or is it just something else? Uh, no, I think it's more or less something else. I'll tell you why. And uh, being honest about it, you know, I didn't see anybody coming back. Right, like you didn't see, and many other people didn't see anybody coming back. I mean, when people are gone, they're gone. Now, people say they can create a connection between themselves and a deceased person. Mm -hmm. You do that, but it's never a, a proof method, you know what I mean? You can't say, oh, I can prove it. But uh, sometimes you feel it in your head, you know what I mean? You feel that this something is telling you something. Uh, you can't really say that who it is and what it is, but you hope it is a person that you're trying to connect to. You know, that's it. More or less it, being very honest. I've never seen a ghost. You know, I would love to, but I've never seen a ghost. You know? So, yes. This is I, I have this is a... Steve have. We both believe we have. Let's Let's put it that way. And so you, you do palm reading and you do... Uh, a tarot reading. It, is that some reason I used to do before I retired because of ill health, you know? Yep. Um, it, it, yeah, palm reading, tarot reading, numerology, etc. Is know? is that magic or is it more connection? I would say it's more of a trade. When you do right, there there are ways of explaining this. When I do tarot reading, for instance, right, I get cards in front of me. Those cards carry pictures, and I also have the sitter in front of me, okay? Mm -hmm. Between all of these, I receive a picture. I create a picture. Something is telling me, you know, uh, say something about a blue car, for instance. Now, at the beginning, when I used to get this kind of thing, say something about whatever, right, I never used to say it because I didn't trust it. Later on, as I was progressing in, in this kind of work, I used to, if I had something in my mind, like uh, say something about a blue car, I used to say it, and most of the times it's quite correct. Now, I can't tell you where it comes from. That is the honest truth here, too. Mm -hmm. You know, I think tarot cards open your mind, and uh, after years of doing it, you open your mind even more. And, and those kind of pictures come in front of you, and uh, I love to say them now, because I know maximum they can sell, tell me you're wrong, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When I started, uh, I didn't have the guts, if you like, to, to say, oh, it's a blue car. But now, you know, for many years, I, I did say what came to my mind, and usually it was quite right. Yeah, uh, Ronnie, we have to take a short break. Can you stay on for us with a, a little bit, a few more minutes? Yeah, yeah. No problem. Okay. So, anyways, we have to take a short break now, and uh, you're yep. listening to Ghost Chronicles, uh, the international edition with uh, Steve Parsons from the UK and Ron Kolak from the US, and we're right here on Tojanet, Pararex, Planet Paranormal, Astronet Radio, and wherever else. We'll be right back after the following messages. 
Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be. With remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased, we'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky. The Parax family. The shows are paranormal. Not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal. The Parax family. They're strange. Deranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the Parax family. International. Uh, where previously we have been uh, listening to our one of our friends, Rich, uh, who was talking about um, Harry Houdini. So we haven't really got an Arthur Conan Doyle purport, proponent on, but what we do have um, is an intuitive, is uh, one of the great performers, the great Ronaldo, in fact. Um, um, who is a bizarre magician, author of the book Mystic, uh, which I'm frantically trying to find a link for as we speak. And <laughs> do we have Don't a link? For that? Do we have a link for the book, Ronaldo? Uh, Ron, where can people buy the book, The Mystic? As I said, uh, if you go to Lulu, L-U-L-U, Lulu, and you put the name of the book, you can buy it from from them. Okay, okay, cool. Very good. Very good. Thank you so much. No problem. You were, Thank you. You were asking some questions, Ron. Ron, Ron yeah. to Ron, so I'll... <laughs> yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've been intrigued so much. Uh, you know, Rich invited me to one of his uh, magic circles one time, and uh, I, I've been intrigued with uh, magic because I, I deal so much with the paranormal. And right. such a, a relationship between the two, it, you know, it's hard to distinguish at time you know, what is really paranormal and what is really real. Uh, so that makes it difficult. And I, I, I would imagine in your tricks, 
you don't have that mish where you, you 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 have a reaction that you really don't expect. Yes, correct. I don't have tricks. My work is done without. Call it tricks is a, is, is a bad bad word. Oh, I'll tell sorry. Sorry. Well, there you go. So you've upset the guest. <laughs> no, no, you've not upset me. I'm just explaining my side of things. Uh, if you say a trick, a trick is like somebody walking on a bus and you put a leg in front of them and they fall. That's ah, I tricked you. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't like this kind of word because I think in magic we can call everything effects. They are part theatrical and we do what we do with an unexplainable uh, type of thing, you know, that is happening at the same time that we do it. Right. That's what I think. That's magic. But uh, I don't do that well. I've not done magic now for many, many years as such. Uh, I'm talking about the magic, now you see it, now you don't. You know, you take a silk in your hand and it disappears. Right. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking what I'm doing, first of all, let's talk about bizarre for a minute. Yep. The word bizarre sounds uh, wrong because, you know, I mean, people think of uh, people doing sexual things in the word bizarre. <laughs> you know what I mean? But Bizarre, if you look in the dictionary, the word bizarre is unique. And that's why it's been called bizarre magic. But in fact, in, all to in the total uh, understanding of the word is we are doing storytelling magic. If you understand what I'm trying to say. Yes, here. absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, you tell a story, and within the story, you weave your magic. Right. And because it's within a story, then it looks like real magic, not like now you see it, now you don't. Exactly. I, I know that Vlad, uh, I, I enjoy uh, the stuff that he does, and uh, Steve Gibson, he's yes. done a lot with the Red Light Seance, which is really intriguing. Yes. Uh, yeah. And so what was some of the, the bizarre magic that you performed? What a, well, I've got many effects, but one of them called Boris, is uh, in very short terms because otherwise I'll sit here till the morning. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Boris is based on a, on a person that lie, lies in bed. He's about to take his last breath. His wife is sitting there and holding his hand. And, of course, she's looking at him. He's looking at her. Well, there's no word spoken. Suddenly, bang, he goes to heaven or he goes to the skies, Right. He gets to the skies, he gets up there, he knocks on the door. The door opens, out comes, call it an angel. Okay, the angel asks him, now, what do you want? He said, I would like to go to heaven. The angel tells him, hey, there's no choice in here, but we can do something about what you're asking. And he says to him, we have two, we have a feather here, which is a white feather, which is the good deeds that you've done in your life. And we've got uh, a black feather, for instance, that is the bad things that you've done in your life. We'll put it on the scale, and we shall see which feather is heavier than the other, right? And, of course, the black feather goes down, you know, right. and uh, the angel comes to him and says, hey, look, you obviously have been a bad person, right? So mm -hmm. Boris is now on his knees said, saying to the angel, please give me a second chance. Please, he says, we don't do that here. But anyway, he argues with him, and in the end, the angel says, okay, I'll give you 24 hours. And as he said this, Boris, Boris finds himself in bed, looking at his wife. 
she falls on his chest, cries, 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 you know. Mm. And he says, I never knew how to tell you I love you. But if you look under my bed, there is a box in there. She takes the box out, she opens it up, and it's all shriveled dead uh, roses that he wanted to give her every year on the anniversary, but he simply didn't have the guts to do it. Ugh. Right? So yeah. now she understands that Boris did love her, but he didn't know how to say it. So she again on his chest, crying, crying, crying. By the time they're talking to one another, the 24 hours have gone, bang, he finds himself upstairs again. The angel says to him, so what did you do? He says, I just told her. He says, just a minute. And he put his finger on his chest, on Boris' chest, and he plucked one of the tears that his wife shed on his chest. And he put this on the white feather. One tear. He takes the black feather, he put it down, the scale go down to one side. He then takes the white feather and he puts it on the other side of the scale. And of course, the white feather now going down, 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 and the white feather is now heavier than the black. The angel looks at him with wonder and says to him, now this has never happened here before. And of course, click of the fingers and the doors of heaven opens and he can go to heaven. Uh, that's more or less one of the stories. That's that's interesting stuff. I mean, you, de you design these yourself? Yes, yes. It's all myself. The story is mine. The the, the whole thing is mine. Okay, let's say uh, whatever I use is mine. I've designed it myself. I've built it myself, and that's wow. about it. Yeah, and wow. so I do it with all my my call it a, a bizarre effects. Everything I have is not being bought or. Given or something of this, everything I have is being designed by me for a certain thing that I want to tell a certain story, like I have a, a story about the fire of London. And I equate it to the year that the fire of London happened, which is 1666, which is 666. And because of that, evil was there, and that's how it happened, and blah, 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 the story goes and goes and goes. Mm -hmm. So I've got that. I've got my, well... I've got quite a number of, of uh, effects that are not on the market, you know, that I've designed myself. Have Some they all been are... documented so that, you know, someday we all, we leave this world, so will your magic die with you, or will it no, 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 last no. forever? The last book, Mystic, right, yeah. was after I got in and all this kind of stuff. I thought to myself, you know, I can't keep everything in my head, if you like. I'll put it. I put most of it, most of it, in my book Mystic. Mm -hmm. So the story about Boris is not there, but all the others are there. And the story about Boris is not there because a friend of mine put a book out and he asked me to put it in his book, to put Boris in his book. So I couldn't very well do it in my book after he's published his book. <laughs> you know what I mean? mm -hmm. So yes, I've. It's mostly in the book Mystic. That's why uh, the book okay. is Mystic, because it all came out of mysticism. I, I would love to speak with you much longer, but unfortunately we do have to say goodbye to you now. That is all right, and thank you very much for and calling me. And I can only apologize for not being allowed by Ron, the R. Ron to get a word in edgeways, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've just ordered... Well, while you're talking, though, I ordered the book, so uh, all good things. Did you, did you find the book? 
Yes, I've just ordered a copy. Oh, you've ordered a copy. Oh, well, that's yeah. good. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. You can tell Richard what you thought of it. I will do. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much for calling. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for, uh, for taking the time. Bye now. No problem. Bye. Bye-bye. That was cool. That was very cool. And it was it was interesting uh, when he had this. I would have loved to talk to him much longer. Uh, someone with that amount of knowledge of bizarre magic is, is fascinating to talk with. And, and we didn't get into the palmetry and the other stuff, which I wanted to talk about a little bit about. But anyways, we do have a subject we do have to talk oh, about. And you that, Houdini's, you've got to use Houdini's uh, mantra there. Keep him, always leave the wanting more. Yeah, I suppose. So, anyways, uh, no idea what you're talking about, have you? Is is um, so the red red light seance, and people yeah. always ask me why red light. Why not? Why are you pose, why any you po- light? Most well, most a lot well, of people well, do it in, in the dark. They don't use light in, at all. Well, well, yeah. You you sent me a question because um, you know it, it's often been said that the spirits themselves request what red light and Who do we have that? any That's what I'm trying and to. do we have any sources for this exactly where did where did the idea of the Victorian red light seance actually come from well it didn't come from the Victorians it, in fact it for very very modern recreation it's it really um, as best as we can determine comes from. Um, this, the 1960s through the popular media like Seance on a Wet Afternoon, the movie and others because in actual fact the, uh, and it only relates to one very particular type of Seance so if you're doing for example a Seance where, excuse me, where you have a medium who is a channeler uh, a direct voice medium doesn't matter about the lights ignore them, doesn't matter um, the 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 red light sense is associated only with the materialistic materialization mediums those that produce ectoplasm or reports or or float trumpets around rooms or have spirit guides appear out of cabinets and in actual fact the earliest seances were done predominantly in complete and utter darkness right um, and the medium demanded in fact the spirits themselves demanded um, at warnings of dire peril to the medium that the room be in complete and utter darkness and some went further and said it must be beyond dark it must be in blackness however the people who were paying the medium were a bit disappointed too you know they, they'd paid their guinea and they'd gone along and they'd seen absolutely nothing they'd stared away into a, a blank dark room and were told that yeah all this stuff happened and uh, things floated round and you know all this stuff moved and but they didn't see a thing so they, in order to address this, the mediums had to allow them to see something for their dollar, for their guinea. And so they allowed them to use dim lighting, uh, as, uh, dim gas lighting, which is a very sort of di- dingy orange colour. Um, and it was turned down realistically as dimly as the medium thought they could get away with. Uh, and one or two objects were painted with luminous paint or had luminous paper dots stuck on so that they could see these things floating around. Um, now, there have been a number of... We don't have a single incident instance, I should say, and you've heard me say many times, it's the spirits that are demanding red light, so give them red light. Well... We don't actually have a single instance of a, of a spirit asking for a red light. What we do have are people, uh, the mediums themselves, saying 
that the spirits are telling us that they require red light. And it's, it's explained in different ways. The bright light is harmful to ectoplasm and it, it destroys energy. That the red light itself, um, they can use the energy of the, of the long wave red. Um, it's more energetic than green or blue light. Um, from a physics point of view, our eyes are terrible in red light, uh, which is why most night vision devices use a green screen because our eyes are most sensitive to green light and we don't see terribly well under red light so that's yeah, it that's wait a minute. Why, that's why do we, for, wait a minute i have to interrupt you there but yeah. why do like for instance you know when uh you have submarines or you have yeah. like the coast guard stationed <clears throat> and they're in their watchtower they, they go to red light they they're not using the red light. Uh, I say our eyes are poor in red. It's not our most sensitive color range. We're very sensitive to green. However, we can still we can still use red. You know, we're not blind in red light. It's just uh, red light doesn't dazzle as much as blue or green light because we are not as sensitive. So if you use red or green light in a submarine or in an aircraft or a lighthouse, you would be more dazzled and your night vision would be poorer. Uh, red light, because we are less sensitive to the red end of the spectrum, uh, it doesn't dazzle our eyes, um, and so we are less dazzled, and therefore our night vision is less damaged, and our ability to see in very low light levels is is less affected by using red as a background light. Um, and one way you can demonstrate this is if you're approaching a harbour at night or you have um, a couple of laser beams, is you look how much brighter the green light on the buoy, buoy appears to be than the corresponding red light, even though the, the two objects might be at the same distance away. Right. Uh, so that's why red light is favoured. And what we do have are accounts from... Um, Lots of mediums, including very famous uh, spirits, apparently, talking through mediums. Um, one in particular, you asked for some, for some sources. So uh, how, how about um, a medium called, uh, a spirit called, I'm trying to find his damn name now. Yeah. Uh, um, <clears throat> I know he's a, no, no, I, <clears throat> yeah, I know his earthly name. I just don't know his spirit name. White, White Cloud, I think. I think yeah. it was White Cloud, who, oh, uh, <clears throat> who was claimed to be... This uh, is from a series of messages received during he the years... He 1931 to... He won't be very impressed when he hears you say that. 1931 to 1932. Claiming to be the name and individuality uh, of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, whose passing took place in 1930. And he, uh, Conan Doyle then became the communicator beyond uh, death... Um, through the spirit medium, mm -hmm. and said several times that it would, uh, White Eagle, sorry, um, that it would be most effectively done under red light conditions or using a dimmed red bulb. And there are many examples where the medium says that if you put that bright light on, it won't work, and we've got to have really dim red lights. So this idea of a red seance light is actually quite a modern thing because... Predominantly, you remember, uh, spiritualism starts in the 18, late 1840s, and it was a, still a lot of years before Edison's uh, electric light bulb rolled out into every street and house. Right. We still had 40 or 50 years to go. So they didn't have red lights. They didn't use red globes around their, their oil lanterns um, and their... 
um, gasolites, but mm-hmm. but they themselves were dim yellow. So the red light just is an electric interpretation of the dim ye- uh, yellow bul- um, gaslights or candles. I know last year when uh, Laura Worcester, a friend of mine, went to <clears throat> Arthur Finley, and they said that the red light uh, was used to protect the medium uh, because evidently ectoplasm can burn if it's in under white light because it's uh, uh, yeah. the energy is different or whatever. Uh, that's one of the many reasons this has been offered. I'm just looking through Arthur Finley's own book here to see if he says anything on it. But that's one of the main reasons. Of course, it is entirely protective of the medium because it's it it decreases exponentially the chances of them getting caught. There have been a number of mediums who have um, <clears throat> been caught in compromising situations when an intrepid sitter or investigator suddenly turned the lights on and caught the medium out of their chair, out of the cabinet, dancing around the room, holding a seance trumpet on the end of a stick. Uh, you know, these, these things happened. Um, and oh, they absolutely. Did... I mean, there, you know, there are <clears throat> fraudulent mediums, which is why the whole uh, profession has got such a, a bad reputation because of the fraudulent ones. Uh, well, it's... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, let's not minimise this. It's not a case of one or two bad apples spoil the barrel. It is an entire barrel full of rotten apples where there might still be the odd one that's worth um, saving. Well, that's, I think it's die. totally an open interpretation. I think that's your interpretation. Yeah. I, mean, I believe yeah. it's more the bad a- yeah. one bad apple than it is yeah, the... There are, if you look at, if you look at the, the number of medians that have been studied and the examples that they've provided, invariably, when, a, when mediums are, are studied um, or examined or visited, I'm not talking about in, in lab conditions by James Randi or set up by Houdini, they are caught out. There is, there, there is overwhelming evidence for this that goes back, you know, well over 100 years where the mediums are using really cheap tricks. You know, you've got Houdini's own book, um, a, Me- a Magician Among the Spirits, where he exposes the tricks and techniques. Before even that, another of Me- uh, Houdini's friends, uh, part-time friends, was Harry Price, who in 1926 released a much earlier uh, reprint uh, or released an, a reprint of a much earlier book um, that dealt specifically with this uh, topic, Revelations of a Spirit Medium, which was written uh, reputedly in the late 19th century by, by a reformed American psychic, and it goes into great detail explaining every single trick in the book. Literally, it is the book that the mediums used. How to make things appear, how to make them disappear, how to make sure that the names that you give people are correct, that the, the information you give people is correct, how much to charge, them the list goes on and on and on now <laughs> that i'm not saying that there is no such thing as mediumship but what i am saying and i think the evidence overwhelmingly supports is that we have a barrel full of rotten apples and there are one or two apples that are worth saving i for the totally pot. disagree with that because you know and, and you're, you're talking you know if you can back up cases but however I, you know i just in my own personal uh, dealings with mediums, there are so many of them out there, and and very few of them have uh, been turned over, so to say, or found a rotten well, apple. So I I totally so disagree cute. with it. Well, 
I can whole. back. I can back what I say, chapter and verse, with evidence from 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 tests that have gone on for a hundred years. Yeah, specific and specific and cases. Yes, I can see that. That's not a problem. Which is why you would have those books if you didn't have now is personal testimony. Just like you check out the bad ones. You find the bad ones. You don't go for the good ones. So why bother? Oh no no no. These aren't people. Yeah 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 yeah. You you can you can you can meet lots of mediums and. Not one of them will ever have been tested. That doesn't mean to say that what they're doing is any different than those that have. And it doesn't mean that there is no such thing as mediumship. What it does mean is we have a proliferation of mediums. If you think back 20 years, there weren't that many. There was perhaps one or two in every town or village. Uh, more in the cities, of course, because the monetary aspect from mediumship was still popular. But you go onto Facebook now and the world and these cats are psychic mediums. Every paranormal group's got a psychic medium. Every street corner has got a psychic medium. The television channels have got psychic mediums. Exactly. Used... Yeah. So, so not, does that mean that... they're all fraudulent? Is that what you're trying to tell me? And I, I disagree totally with well, that. Well, let's, let's get this back into perspective because I, I haven't said there is no such thing as psychic mediums and I haven't said they're all fraudulent. What I have said is those that have been tested, the vast majority, in fact, the almost the entirety of them have been caught in situations where what they're doing is... Well, you know what? I'm just going to have to test these mediums and start my own little concern. Well, hang on, uh, hang on a minute. Testing a medium is something that, that actually is a highly specialist thing and is nearly impossible. And the number of paranormal... Oh, oh okay. So we have some magic now. Magic no, testing. No, no, no. Uh, no oh, you can't test them. I need to be... Well, I said... I said... I said... Uh, well, with I the said, special credentials well, of I said, mediums because mediums Aaron, are whatever. Well, I certainly... Don't say it, Steve. I'm I, sorry. Just... Well, I certainly wouldn't be arrogant enough to think that I could test mediums. Oh, really? Because, Why not? Be, because I'm completely unequipped to do the job. Oh, uh, oh. Test the sure. To do the job. So, I mean, you just, you told it me... Is, it is highly, it is highly, I have seen so many paranormal... So how many people get paid to test mediums, let me tell you, ask that question. None. None. Exactly. Unless you, so what, unless you can't why academic. would anyone be a, a medium tester then? Well... Uh, so what's the purpose of it? So it, they, they've got a goal to go out to prove that mediums are no, no, fraudulent, the, and they the go people, out and they the do that who, school, and the they pe- get this up a little book out of it or whatever, and that's what it's all about. It's like Randy and the rest the people, of those clowns. The people who set out to test mediums and make it uh, are people who are there, actually, to make a buck out of it. Joe Nickel, James Randy, they are on a completely different – they're not out to test mediums. They're not doing anything no different than Houdini. Just like Houdini did, right. Exactly. Now, would – to test them, how do you test the medium? By what's what are your standards for testing the medium? So because how if you how exactly you what is prove, your standards exactly? How can you ever prove that the medium is not in communication with some other entity, spirit, being, demon, whatever? How do you prove that that's not the case? But how can? But what you can demonstrate in many instances is, though you turn the lights on, they're cheating. 
they're pulling names that so they, that's they, their, their uh, thing is they turn the lights on. So that's, no, that's really, that, you're right. I, I could never have been able to test is, this by turning the, the lights on. Is, I understand that totally right. Take, it, it, it takes a college education to turn the switch on. I got it. I got it. Well, you haven't. That's just it. There's a man of science. You are yeah. deliberately oversimplifying something there in a in a. Uh, well, you're uh, overcomplicating it. It's, no, I'm not overcomplicating. You're making it elitist, you can, and you're making you, it far more tell, complicated than it should be. If you can devise a working method for testing mediums where you can get a positive and a negative result, you will be a millionaire. Isn't that what the Ryan Institute did? No, even they couldn't do it. Really? Really, because you can't prove that they're talking, that they're not talking to the dead. You can prove that they're cheating. You can prove that they have the information beforehand. So, if you, so you can prove you can that prove they're like, not cheating. Like Cora, so they were prized information. The lack of... Uh, no. Yes, yes, no. that's, that's no. a common no. hypothesis. If no, it, it isn't, isn't black, it's white. No. If it isn't black, it could be blue, yellow, green, or orange. Yeah, whatever. We run out of time. <laughs> you, we'll go, you, you, you go test the medium. When you're in a much more rational mind and, and not you on the go gen. test the medium. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Steve. Uh, My pleasure. And, uh, interesting. <laughs> so until uh, next time. Uh, and speaking about mediums, I, I've been contact. I've got contact with uh, Doctor Broad, and uh, he will be on the show and talk about physical mediumship. No, and he's got a great deal of a study on it, so I'm excited. What was the word of the week? <laughs> what was that? What was our word of the week? Uh, bullshit. <laughs> good night, couple. Good night. <laughs> Goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good luck. Have you heard?